0: to be joined on CFB today by Peter Storey, a man who has worked in football for many years. He's been in high-profile roles as Chief Executive at Portsmouth. He's also worked in prominent roles at West Ham Football Club as well. Now doing consultancy work for clubs in South America and France. All sounds very exciting, Peter, but first of all, how are you?
1: Um, very well, thank you. Uh, you know, considering the, the, what we're going through nowadays with the lockdown and everything else, it's um, still kept uh, reasonably busy, but um, um, probably more on the keep fit side at the moment and <laughs> doing, doing things like that lots of walking and lots of exercise because um, there's not much more you can do at the moment.
0: Yeah, there absolutely isn't. And, and as I say in the intro there, you're doing some consultancy work, South American football, French football. Has that been keeping you really busy during these tough times?
1: Yeah, it is. I, I work for uh, for for a Frenchman who owns those two clubs. Um, I've been doing that for several years now, and uh, basically advising him and consulting. Uh, I, I look after uh, um, and help on uh, their finance side and the and the business side, and also the, the buying and selling of players, and just just giving him a, a general report every month and uh, advice. Go out there to Colombia as well. It's a beautiful place, uh, Bogotá. It's uh, you know it's just set in, uh, in the mountains, and uh, there's, there's lovely mountains all around the, the city, and uh, lovely people, lovely place to go. And uh, but at the moment, obviously, uh, all football's on hold out there as, as the virus has, uh, has taken hold of it. But uh, it, it, it's been something different to, to learn a lot about South American football. Um, it's obviously very different um, as compare it to uh, UK. Um, obviously, with, with France with RC Lons, it's it's very European and very much like uh, the English league. But um, the Colombian league is is very very different, very very passionate, <laughs> very 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 sort of uh, volatile at times with uh, with, with uh, supporters and that there's, uh, there's been the problems out there. But it's a lovely club and, and say very very good football to watch.
0: I mentioned in the intro also about your role as, as chief executive in football now. That's a role that many football fans speculate over and are desperate to know what really happens. So what's that role like on a daily basis? Uh, I,
1: I would say I started off with, right at the beginning of being Managing Director at uh, West Ham. I was their first ever uh, Managing Director and was classified as the, the boy from the terraces, you know, that suddenly became a M- MD of a, of a club. I was the first, first ever uh, working a Director at West Ham. Um, you're very much... I think people... Tend to put football separately to everything else but it's very much like every other business you know it's got a you know a sales department commercial department administration um you know it, the same as the most businesses would have so you're, you're running those the, the different the main difference is obviously you have the football side which is the biggest and largest important size and and i once said at a dinner once i remember and, and people looked at me quite surprised and, and I said if you compare football is a business to everything else and the decisions that a managing director makes. You can go to your board and say, by the way, um, I'd like to spend uh, 95% of our budget in one go um, and the item I want to buy might break down the next day that we actually buy it. And, and that, in reality, is professional football. You know, you, you, you never know uh, what, is, what is going to happen in terms of a player, but they're the decisions that you're going to your board to ask them to make.
0: And, and when you are the managing director or chief executive, the relationship with both owner and manager is absolutely crucial. How important is it that you can really be a go-between between those two crucial elements of the football club?
1: Well, you have to be. And, and of course, you know, very importantly, you have, you have to work very closely with supporters and supporters group, which, I, which I've always done, the whole terms that I've done. Um, you know, you, you have to sort of weigh up, you know, as a managing director or chief executive, what the needs of the club in terms of improving you know, the, the playing base. And at the same time, you have to look at the financial side from the board and the, and the owner's perspective of, of what they want or don't want to put in into a club. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, often you do find yourself sitting in the middle. But I, I've been very fortunate, really, you know, at, at West Ham. They were, you know, worked with Terry Brown, the chairman there, and obviously Harry. As manager and then uh, Portsmouth it was um, Milan Mandrick predominantly um, and Harry again and then after that it was uh, you know Alexander Gadebeck but so I've been very very fortunate to work with people where yes there's been ups and downs as there is in all types of things and there's been business but generally we all we all got on very well in fact you know nowadays I look, look after Harry you know uh, all his, his um, affairs as his manager and uh, agent I suppose you call it an advisor so you know, it shows that we've we've kept close ties. I still see Terry Brown uh, occasionally uh, in London, and uh, uh, every now and again, Milan when he's over. So we, you know, we've always had a good relationship, and that, and that is very important. You have to, you have to have that. You know.
0: I imagine the the key test of that relationship comes every single summer, and in January during the <laughs> the transfer window, and, and and on the transfer window. Now you worked in football at West Ham Portsmouth, as, as I mentioned. Now. In terms of time scale, you worked at the start of the Premier League era and you worked when the Premier League was really fully established as a global entity. How did the transfer window and the sort of, what you could call, pressure from fans to, to do business, how did that change over your time in those roles? Well, well it changed a
1: lot. I, I always remember Alan Sugar said in, in the early days of when the Premiership came up, that I, I remember him saying that if we don't do something in terms of diverting a lot, a lot of this money um, you know, that's going to come in from the sky into youth and academies and, and this side, all that's going to happen is it, it's all going to go to players or to agents. And I think what he said at that time, going back all those many years ago, has, has come very true of, of generally what's happened. But in the end of the day, you, you know, you have to invest. You have to invest in, in players, you know, you, you if you want to go forward. Um, the, the reality is when you look at it, you break a league down and you say that there's probably only six or seven teams that's gonna finish in the top six or seven. Generally speaking, there are exceptions, but there are there's six or seven teams that's gonna be struggling, you know, to be one of the three to go down. And then you've got the little batch in the in the middle. And and what, what you try to do is get yourself in the middle and and try and you know buy and sell within the transfer market, you know, which is what we, we did when I was at West Ham and at Portsmouth to try and stay as much as possible in that middle sort of bracket because because the reality is if you try and chase that dream up the top then obviously financially it just hasn't worked.
0: One of the things you mentioned and when you, you talked about Alan Sugar there was the academy structure and when you were at West Ham when Harry was at West Ham as well you think of some of the big players that came through and you look at the careers they've had not only as players but now as pundits and coaches. you Ferdinand, Michael Carrick, Frank Lampard, Jermaine Defoe, many others as well. I mean how much pride does that fill you with now when you look back for the role that you and Harry played during that spell for the club?
1: Oh, tremendous. I mean, Harry and I, you know, discussed it you know, many times since. If, if, if that could have built on and other players had come in at the time when we had these, these, all these young players, you know, playing so well. West Ham might well have been, you know, up, up there in the sort of, you know, um, the top levels of the league for, for a few years. But but obviously, you know, finances came into it and, and the board decided they wanted to change things around and, and they wanted to, you know, work a little bit more on the balance sheet rather than the, than the academy side. But... We did bring some great, great kids through, and and you know the the all all credit of course to Tony Carr as well, who who run the the um, academy operation at West Ham. Tony and I worked very closely together with Harry. Um, Harry would always go down, you know, on a Saturday morning, you know, when we were at home to watch the watch the kids as well, and. To, to give them the encouragement that they, you know, if they keep playing and keep going, they can come through and, and come into the team. The other really good thing that Harry did at that time, I think, with the academy side, is he put these young players, they didn't just come through West Ham and, and then get their chance in the first team. They went out and played, at, you know, in the first and second division at that time on loan, and they, they experienced that different. Level of football and the different side, and then they, and then they came back after several months and came straight in the first team. So, so that was, you know, that was a a good basis that Harry always believed in. That you know they should learn the the game before they actually then then got into it. And and look what they become. You know, Rio and Frank and Michael Carrick and Joe Cole. You you know, you, you just go on and on and on. There there were so many of them. Um, you know, I remember we, we we played in the FA Youth Cup final for the first time West them and. Uh, I think it was Coventry at that time was, was one of the, uh, one, one of the big, big sides on the academy side. And, and we won the final on aggregate 8-2. <laughs> just showed you how, how strong our academy side was. And, and many of those players from the academy, in fact, I think the vast majority of them, played professionally football you know, afterwards at, at some level. Many mm-hmm. of them at West Ham and some, some went on at other clubs.
0: And something else that that, um, again is very intriguing about, about your journey and Harry's journey as well is Portsmouth because Harry always talks about the Portsmouth side he went into when it was in the Championship was completely different to the Portsmouth side that he had that obviously won the FA Cup as we'll come to. Just what was Portsmouth like when you walked in there at the start? Was it a massive culture shock compared to what you were used to at West Ham?
1: Well, well, well Harry, Harry run me and said, could I, could I come down and, you know, meet up with um, with Milan Mendrick and have a chat? Because, you know, Milan was looking for someone to come in as chief executive. And I said, well, what what are you doing there, Harry? And he said, well, I'm director of football. He said, but I'm not quite sure what I'm doing or what director of football actually actually means. You know, he said, I, I turn up at a training and that's it. But from the moment Harry took over, you know, that, that team, um, at the end, I think it was about the March or April, the end of the season, you know, <clears throat> we knew knew then that we had an opportunity the following year if we could play around in the in the market a bit, which we did. Um, you know, we we, we sold um, Peter Crouch, I seem to remember at the, at the time, and we we reinvested that money in bringing in players. You know, um, not not just buying, but obviously bringing in players with higher wages, so that we had a you know people like Paul Merson joined us. You know, he was who was unbelievable. Todorov came in, who scored, but. 40-odd goals that season. And we, we turned that team around from a team that just survived. You know, great, great credit to Harry and, he, and, he's, and, the, and the lads and the, all the coaching side. A team that finished, I think, fourth from bottom, I think, at the, the end of that season. Uh, and we turned it around as runaway champions, you know. And then from that, Harry continued that, you know, clever buying and selling of players and moving the squad around, you know, staying you know, in the premiership for, for many years thereafter.
0: You mentioned one player in particular who you recruited, and that man is a certain Paul Merson. Just what was it like when you got him to the club? Because as captain that season, he revolutionised that Portsmouth team. Obviously not on his own, but his impact on the players around him was unbelievable.
1: I think it was his impact. You know, I think he, he was—he was a good player. Everyone knew that, and he scored some fantastic goals for us but he he, he had that ability if, if things weren't going well in the game he could do a little bit of magic and it would change it you know and he he was he was such a player for us and what I admire about Paul so much was he he done so much for us in in that season but when it came to the following season when we got promoted he said to he came and talked to Harry and, and myself and said I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to Make it in the Premiership now, you know, and and therefore he, you know, he he stepped back from things at that time, and and that and that's a player that knows exactly what what he can do, and and uh, what what he did for Portsmouth was
0: quite unbelievable that season. It certainly was. It was an achievement, as you mentioned, keeping the club up to then being runaway champions is. Is an incredible achievement and you look at it now in football, you look at the championship now it's it's the hardest league in, in many cases to get out of and, and to turn it around like you both did is, is superb and, and on Harry himself, you, you've clearly got a strong relationship with him you, you mentioned the fact that you're still in, in touch with him regularly now, he's a good friend of yours just what's Harry like to work with because one of the things I feel he doesn't get anywhere near enough credit for is his tactical ability people put yeah. down to just man management but man and management can only get you so far you need to have a tactical element as well which he, he clearly does if you look at his career in the game
1: yeah what what i uh, think people miss on harry is is very much the technical side because he he you know yes his his man management was excellent he he knew which player to put his arm around you know which one to give a roasting to and uh, and that, that you know he 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 knew players well that way and then and also in training he he knew which players he had to train hard and which had to you know um, yeah, to give him perhaps a day off or a rest, or you know, not not trained so much before a game. He, he knew how, he knew how to handle that. So his man management side was good. But what I see in Harry, you know, in the years I worked with him, his ability to change things during a game. You know, he he would make alterations to the, to the team as, as the game was going on uh, halftime as well he, he, he managed to see things in games to, to change things around and, and and often you know change results by the by the tactical decisions he made so I don't think he ever really got the, the credit for that um, and, and, I, and I think he should do because I, I, I felt personally that, that he was he was very that was a very strong part of Harris' uh, management uh, ability
0: he's, he's been a manager in football who's achieved a lot. Um, we'll come to the FA Cup success in a minute, but I've got to get your honest opinion on this one. What was your reaction when he told you, I'm going into the I'm a celebrity, get me out of your jungle?
1: <laughs> well, someone told me first about I heard it. Someone rang me and said, You know, Harry's going out I said, No, get out of it. He, he said he'd never do it, he wouldn't do it. Um, but he, you know, I rang him and he said, I don't know what I'm doing, Pete. I've got no idea. Um, he said, I made a stupid statement. And he said, I'm now, I'm now going to go and do it. And, uh, and it, it, went, it went along the lines of, um, you know, uh, I'm a celebrity said, oh, look, would you come in and do something? And I offered him a sum of money. And Harry said, no, nah, I'm not interested. He said, he said, you offered me some something, something stupid money like, xxx X, X, and, and i'll go and do it and they, they came around and did so, so he, he was left to the but he'd never ever seen the program he'd never seen it all. sandra had you know she knew and she kept saying what are you doing jamie couldn't believe it he, he said are you really going in there but his grandkids always egging him on and saying go on go and do it granddad go and do it so and you knew from day one, you know, watching him, you knew he would be there or thereabouts at the end of it. And uh, thoroughly deserved it. He, he, he's just so natural and he was so natural to do it. Um, and I think what helped him as well, Harry, you know, from that dreadful accident he had many, many years ago, he lost the sense of smell. So I think that helped him a, a, a lot because he couldn't smell a lot of the things that he was having to, uh, to, to eat and, uh, and and digest. He could taste them, but he couldn't smell them. <laughs> And that, that probably helped a
0: lot. And were you one of those people, with Jamie, Sandra, and, and, and the rest of the family, were, the, were on the phone trying to get them to do as many trials as possible?
1: <laughs> um well didn't do that so much, but I you know we, we I think we all uh, gave him a few votes every now and again, and I uh, sure all our friends and people did but I, I think the the level of voting that he got was 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 massive, so uh, i don't think we uh, we ever needed to do that
0: <laughs> <laughs> and in terms of the the football inside the Harry we've talked about the fact he's a larger than life character he's achieved so much within mm-hmm. the game, and now out, out with the game, he's a celebrity, you could say in his own right and in different fields but the FA Cup success at Portsmouth is, is something I want to touch on with you because you look at the FA Cup now and it tends to be the same sides. Arsenal have won it quite a lot recently. Yeah. Manchester United under Van Gaal. and Man City winning at Chelsea as well. Just how, when you look at the, the recent record of the Cup and look back at winning it with Portsmouth, I mean, it must, it must just fill you with pride every day because it's not a, something that, wigging aside as well, you could say happens very often.
1: No, I, I agree. It, it was a marvellous, marvellous stay, and, and as you say, something you never ever, you know, forget. And the, and the day afterwards, when we brought the cup back to Portsmouth, you, you'll never forget that weekend, those two days. But um, I think we were—I can't remember any years it was—where we were one of the first teams to win it outside of the top six. I think for many, for quite a few years. Um, and obviously, we went into you know the semi-final and final as favourites, you know, because we were the, the Premiership side there. But there's no such thing as as favourites when it comes to semi-finals and finals. They're difficult games. You know, we only had really the one you know fit striker in, in Canoe, so he was literally playing on his own. And you know, no one ever really knew how old Canoe was. <laughs> he could have been 30 or 38 or 48. Who, who knows? No one ever knew with Canoe. But you know, he. He, he was he was sort of tremendous for us, um, but it was it was a great run we had all the way through. You know, beating Man United away in the in the quarterfinals, um, but those two two days that they were something I don't think anyone will ever forget. It was it was a marvelous thing to see the cup, and there was a funny story about myself and Alexander Gadamak Who was you, you have to as director sit in the um, two seats in the front row of the uh, of the roll box, and of course when we score you know everyone's up jumping up and and uh, getting happy and at the end of the game everyone is going crazy and there's a sign in front of you do not stand up in the front row <laughs> <laughs> so alexander and i were sort of moving half of our chair and half down and all i wanted to do was to turn, turn around and and sort of see my wife she was a few rows back um you know um but we, we had to we had to sit there and wait until the teams came up and went round, and then we could go down on the pitch afterwards and uh, and, and join in the celebrations. But uh, no, it was, it was a great day and great great for the Pompey fans and Hawksworth fans will, will always remember it. And uh, it, it was just great for everybody.
0: Another part of your, your, your life in football has been working over in Australia, Central Coast Mariners, you worked yeah. over there. What was it like working in Australia and, and, crucially as well, what was the standard like? Because you'd come from working in the Premier League.
1: Yeah, I mean it, it, the standard uh, was improving. I mean the, I did it for about three years over there and, and the, the standard improved it was was improving every single year and in Australia, you know, we're trying to get the the, the levels up and up and up. Um and, and it was getting it was getting better. Um obviously you have to, you know, bear in mind some of the heat over there when they're playing, although they're, you know, um it, it, it it was sort of quite warm at times, on some of the games, and uh, some of the some of the games even had to be stopped if it, if it got you know into over about 38 degrees. I think it was it they had to stop the matches. But I think they were trying to improve the game. It was a bit slower uh, than, than obviously than the pace of the game was a bit slower than, than, than the than game over here. Um, I think skill-wise, there was, there was certainly a lot of skillful players, and um, you know one or two players have now come over from the Australian league and done done very well in, in, the, in the Premier League. So, you know, I think, you know, um, you know, the goalkeeper at uh, Brighton's done, done very well and um, <clears throat> the, the lad that went to Man City. So, there's, you know, there's been players that's, come, that's played in the Australian League and has come over and, uh, and done well there. So, uh, and obviously, you know, you tend to find that some of the experienced players here have, have gone over and played in the Australian Leagues. But you now I, th- I think the standard's getting better and better.
0: What's your opinion on the, the Premier League now? Because when you worked in the Premier League, there was lots of money in the game, but but it's increased even. You could say tenfold since then.
1: Oh, it has. I mean, it, it, you know, the 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 gap, the the gap now between a Premiership side and a Championship side is is absolutely phenomenal. It, you know, it, it's you know it was it was big enough when 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 I was you know working at, at Portsmouth. There was you know quite a gap, but the gap now is is absolutely huge level of transfer fees now being paid just on, on players, the level of wages that what you would call a very ordinary premiership player is getting has gone through the roof. So um, obviously I, I think the game does have to be careful, you know, going forward um, in, in, in terms of, you know, we could find clubs, you know, go, going out of business. You know, um, you know, a lot of teams obviously at the moment with with this uh, virus are, are suffering, particularly in the in the lower divisions. Um, so I think the you know the Premiership, you know, have invested as much money as they they feel is fair in, into the other divisions um, from the TV contract. But but I think the golf is is getting very very large now.
0: In terms of your future in football and Harry's future in football, I know he's, I, I was lucky enough in BTP, I got the chance to, to speak to him for around 20 minutes or so. And, and he said, to be honest with you, I'm finished. And when it comes to day-to-day management, it's not something I see myself doing. Although he said that, do you think if the right opportunity came up that you would see him back in the game? Because he's clearly well-loved and he's got a lot to offer. Yeah,
1: I think you can... Ne- never say no with harry i think you know as you say if the right thing came up possibly internationally rather rather than you know rather than uh, um <clears throat> local but you know at the end of the day harry's you know got a lot on his plate he's he's doing a lot of different things he's he's become whereas he was a football manager and a football personality he's, he's now become an, you know a personality now you know uh, and therefore, he, you know, he's he's well loved all over the country. And his audience has changed as well. You know, reverse, it was probably, you know, far more male than it was female. That's even up a lot more since I'm a celebrity. You know, he's, he's more um, in, a, in a wider audience, you know, doing the theatres last year. And we'll be doing, what we're going to do them again this year. But they will be um, obviously close through the virus. But they will all be doing again next year. I think that, that has widened, you know, uh, Harry's... Uh, um, audience in, in terms of uh, the, the range of people he sees and that but will he ever go back into football again I, I, probably not but who knows? who knows if the right opportunity came up who knows
0: one of the things you mentioned there was it was international football and without trying to cause you to cause a massive headline and cause a stir I'm just going to give you my personal opinion I feel that I know it's been talked about so many times the fact he never got to manage England, and you look even through history, and Brian Clough never got to manage England for me, it's just utterly bizarre. And it frustrates me because, even though I'm a Scotsman, I think those two characters, you just think they were tailor-made to manage their country.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think personally uh, he would have been a great England manager. I, I think, And one of the reasons is because of what, I, what you touched on as well, that he is such a good man-manager. And, you know, with international football, you're not with your players week in, week out. So therefore, when you have them, you have to build them up and get them into the, the right environment, in, often in just a few days or, or you know, or, in a, or during a tournament period. So I, I think Harry would have been really excellent at doing that. And he was clearly at the time the fans' favourite as well um, to go on. But uh, obviously, you know, whatever the decisions were made, I'm probably, you know, not privy to, the, to those at the time. Um, but but I personally think he he would have been an excellent England manager. Um, but you know, current manager is doing extremely well. I have to say that. But I think going back at that time, I think that was for me that was Harry's time. I think he was the right person for the job at that time. Uh, and disappointed, he never got it. And, and I think a lot of a lot of English supporters feel that as well. I think they felt that Harry could have been the person that you know could have just you know ticked the, ticked the right boxes for the players at the time. And, and I think a lot of players said that at the same time as well, that they, you know, they would have enjoyed working under Harry, but you know, not, it wasn't to be. And so, you know, you, you move on.
0: In terms of yourself, I mentioned at the start, consultancy work, South American football, French football, have you got anything else lined up for the future? Anything you, you see yourself doing or, or fancy doing? Well, I, I'd
1: say I look after Harry and that, that takes a lot of my time as well. Um, I run his diary as well. And, you know, so that, that, that keeps fairly busy. Um, no, I mean, you know, the, I enjoy doing the, the the work for for Joseph in the uh, for the Colombian side. That that's very enjoyable, and I enjoy doing that. So, uh, yeah, if any sort of general consultancy in football still came up, yes, I'd be interested in doing that. But, but but a little bit like Harry, not not full time anymore now. But the, the consultancy role and the advisory role is. It's something you know I, I enjoy doing and, and I'm happy happy to do uh, anywhere around and and it's been it's been interesting in doing it internationally as well. So you know with Australia and Colombia and France, it gives you a, a different perspective to the to the English market.
0: Last question for you, Peter. And you, as I say, you've worked in football for many years. You've been involved in consultancy. You've talked about their managing Harry's Diary as well. Lots of people see football agency or they see um, directorial roles in football has been something that they're really interested in, but as you well know, it's very hard to get in, into one of these roles and hard to stay in it because you're scrutinised an awful lot as well. What advice would you give to these people that are listening and, and are desperate to get involved in, in the business side of football?
1: Well, I think, that, I think you need to understand the departments within football. So it, it, generally, you, you need, if you're going to be like a chief executive or a you know, of a, a role, you you need to be able to manage those different sectors. So you need to, you know, understand and and obviously IT is a big huge part of it now with, within it. But so you need to you need to understand all those various sections. So you need a wide wider business knowledge. I think you know commerce and and business generally, um, and then try and get yourself you know in, involved in a in a club somewhere. You know positions do come up and then work your way up from there i think that's you know that's the advice i would give any young people that's interested in in doing so um, you know appointments do come up you know um you know you see them advertised every now and again and um you know new owners come into clubs and they want to change things and bring new people in sometimes so um you know but but that would be my advice get get a, a general knowledge business background and, and understand all these various departments that, you know it's, that's in football clubs um, because they're generating the income outside of obviously the TV money.
0: A few quick fire ones before you go. Just football linked. Who was your footballing hero when you were growing up?
1: Oh, Bobby Moore, without a doubt. Um, you know, Bobby was. Uh, what was great for me was was obviously he was my hero um, growing up. Uh, as, uh, as a lad and as a West Ham fan, and then obviously having the when I became you know director of West Ham, meeting him and and um, you know talking to him and chatting to him and getting to know him, that was uh, that that was great for me. But yeah, def- definitely Bobby Moore.
0: In terms of uh, football itself, as well. Who are the biggest characters you've had the chance to work with? We've talked about Harry being a massive character. The likes of Paul Merson. Well, and Har-
1: yeah. well Harry is. You know, there's been a lot of them, really. You know, um, uh, west Ham, we we had a few. Pilot Di was was, <laughs> was was an incredible incredible ca- yeah, character. Saul Campbell. Um, you know, he came came to us down at uh, uh, down at Portsmouth. Jackie Hislop was a was a was a great character as well, and uh, and he's a, he's about. But you you, you meet. Not not only is it the people you know, you meet so many different different people, and you know certainly many managers in 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 the game that you you know meet as well. You know, Alex Ferguson was a was always a, a great guy. I always used to enjoy going to Old Trafford and and uh, talking to Alex. He he was very good. Uh, Arsene Wenger, I always remember asking Wenger. He was one of the one of those managers that he would always come up. Um, when they, Arsenal were playing away to the visitors' um, boardroom and say hello to the uh, to the people in the boardroom, and that so I always remember Arsenal doing that. So so, so many characters: Terry Venables, another no, great character. You know, so you can go on and on and on. To be honest, and I, I apologise to all those I have missed out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned West Ham being a West Ham fan, loving Bobby Moore, growing up. Just how do you feel about West Ham's new stadium? Because Upton Park was just a great place to watch football.
1: Yeah, I, I've, I've not actually been to the new stadium. Um, I, I'm, I'm afraid um, I, I'm very much in the camp of, you know, I wish they hadn't moved. <laughs> I think uh, Upton Park was a fantastic uh, um, atmosphere and... Teams, I mean, even Man United used to hate coming down to Upton Park to play midweek under floodlights. It was a special, special atmosphere, and, and it used to terrify teams. and uh, And so, I'm, I'm sad with you know that that's not there anymore. And because I think it was just had such great character. But you know, I understand obviously the, the business and the commercial side of things at the stadium. Um, had to be bigger and and it just wasn't possible to get it to the size they, they needed at the ground. But yeah, no, I you know, I I must admit I, I miss Upton Park. I think it was it was a special, special atmosphere.
0: Last last one, and it's another football one of course, is you've been watching football a lot longer than me. You've seen some of the greats through the years. In your opinion, who do you, who would you say is the best player you've ever watched?
1: Wow, that's a difficult one. I think George Best is is probably Hard to beat, um, you know. Uh, growing up, obviously, I, I remember watching Jimmy Greaves as well. Who was, you know, the people in different positions. Um, obviously, Bobby Moore, you know, of them. Um, Wiser was Jeff Hurst and Martin Peters as well, and so many, so many great players. And I mean, the modern more modern day. You know, I remember Henri at Arsenal was, uh, you know, was uh, he was just something else to to watch and, and be involved in. Um, Probably over and all, very difficult to say. Probably because of his individual ability and skill and, and what he used to do, um, probably um, probably George Best. But you know, Hoddle would come a very close second as well. I mean, when you used to watch him play, what the things Glenn Hoddle could do, you know. Uh, on a on a pitch, and how he could change a game. So you go on and on and on. So it's a, it's a it's an awkward question because I could think of so many.
0: <laughs> uh, as as I say, we, how much you watch football? It's a, a question I was desperate to ask. And I don't think anyone listening will begrudge George Best being being at the top of that list because a, an absolute genius of a footballer and and someone it, it was, who's sorely missed in the game now as well. Do
1: things with a football. You know, the, it's just unbelievable. You know, I, I still remember, I always in my mind, I always remember that goal he scored at Northampton when he went round about nine players and then tucked it in the corner of the net. Or it's, it's, the, the sheer ability for someone to be able to do that is, is, is frightening. And what he could have been if, you know, if it had just, you know, uh, gone on and on and on and on. But, you know, fantastic player, fantastic player.
0: It's been a pleasure, Peter. I really am grateful for you coming on the show. I mean, it's, it's not every day you get the chance to get the insight into what it's like working in managing director roles or chief executive roles. So I'm sure it's something that listeners will really enjoy. And, and I thank you again for your time. I really appreciate it. My
1: pleasure.
0: So we'll dive down to the ocean and we'll make our home in a deep sea cave, and our shells will all be open. They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song We'll dive down to the ocean I will make her home in a deep sea cave And her shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song